Are you done, Doc? I mean, you know. I don't know. I'm Are you done? You Chris, Chris go yet? Yeah, I did. I mean, we've just been listening to you count. I mean, everyone's just just glad that Doc knows how, but you know, we'll take it. Hey, my football skills are limited, but my math skills are tremendous. Outstanding. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guests introduce themselves. We have first, uh, we have Miss Audrey Huey. Can you please tell us who you are to our listeners and viewers? Hi, I'm Audrey Huey. I also write as AK Huey for Thrillers and Horror. Um, I am also a veteran, but I have been, uh, I, I had my first published article back in 2015, I think. So I've been writing for a while now in publishing. All right. And Jennifer, for Jenny, for people who might not remember you from the Sci-Fi Shenanigans podcast where you were a guest in season two with your Ethan something. Freckleton? Ethan Freckleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it right. Woohoo! Score one to my memory. Uh, <laughs> can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Yes, uh, I am uh, Jenny Frontera. I write as J.R. Frontera. I um, started out writing a lot of sci-fi then sort of fantasy and then sort of drifted into weird western which is what i'm currently writing but yes i was here a while back for um my co-written starship ass series with ethan freckleton um and uh yeah i I published let's see my first book in 2015 um of course was writing a long time before that but finally (laughs) Finally published something in 2015. I think I actually hit the groove, though, with Starship Ass in 2019 with Ethan. So that sort of got the ball rolling. Um, and yeah, so now I'm working on a weird Western series. And I got a lot of other sci-fi and fantasy still in the pipeline. So um, yeah, that's about it for me, I guess. <laughs> All right. The next part of that introduction to your listeners, how we first found them. So uh, if you really want to know, I'm going to have to pull her episode now out of the archives to talk about the uh, spaceship uh, backside, because uh, that is in the archives. That is one we managed to save. So it is now high on the priority list. But uh, in the meantime, um, she found us the first time, uh, and we stalked each other, as you do. We met up in Vegas back in 2018. Um, we had to help her. Her poor co-writer had an addiction to gambling. We had to help him evade the mob. It was a thing. Um <laughs> I'm pulling that one out of my memory too. I, I like need to like like write this on the calendar. I forgot I never about that. Like so good job, good job on that one. It is a day of minor miracles. It is. It is indeed. So I found her that way. We became friends on Facebook. So that's how I found Audrey, who she's working on this anthology you're seeing in the title for. But uh, what about you, Doc? I imagine you found her somewhere else. Uh, I found her as she was trying to evade your phone calls. That's also <laughs> probably true. Uh, I thought maybe you were like competing against her in the quick draw competition, so I just didn't uh, want to judge. No, my my wit is razor sharp, and my <laughs> aim is really good. But I prefer to uh, leave the shooting things it quickly to the professional. So when you do the quick draw stuff, uh, Jenny, do you actually have to shoot anything, or just pull it out of the holster? Um, pull it out of the holster. <laughs> no, Works for me. It's so better than I can do. 
<laughs> yeah, as long as you don't There's have to a reason anything. they gave JR a rifle. It was big enough so he could find it. <laughs> this is absolutely true. All right, Doc, you get to ask the most important questions. We decide whether we keep these ladies on the show or not. These I the religion questions. Because so far they've put up with you pretty well. So. This is also true, but... So, All right, Doc. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Who wants to go first? Firefly. <laughs> okay. Nice, nice. I love Firefly. Well, I actually love all three, so I'm going to do the uh, the hashtag why choose option there. So oh, I like that. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's a, I probably, I mean, probably if I have to rank them, Star Wars would be in the front because um, that was the one I was most obsessed with the earliest, and it's carried on through this whole time. But uh, definitely Star Trek grew on me once I met my husband. We went back and watched like all of TNG, all of the original series. When I first met him, I'd only seen Voyager. So, okay. Um, but then so I it's, got all caught up and, you yeah. know, I, I'm rather partial to Voyager, you know, the name thing, but <laughs> I am evil. Just ask Voyager. <laughs> so, so it's telling that two out of the three on that are Space Westerns, Firefly, and Star Wars. And that's why she liked those two best. Right, yeah, and then yeah, Firefly came later. Some friends tried and tried and tried to convince us to watch it, and I just we kept resisting because we we would see the very end of it when we were watching something, and we were like, "Oh, that show's stupid!" And then we finally watched it, and we're like, "Oh my god, we were so wrong!" But yeah, that's Audrey. That's because her husband hadn't taught her that yet. That resistance is futile. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's it. It is. Uh, now, ever since I learned that line, anytime people are like resistance, I have to answer futile. And people, yes. have, I've had people, you can totally tell them mundane because they turn around and they go, why do you say that? I'm like, Weirdos. Oh, you, you don't need that kind of negativity in your life, Doc. Just leave those people where they be. I use exactly. it as a litmus test. If they don't understand it, I might keep talking to them, but uh, I'm definitely, they have been judged. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Fair. All right. We got one more religion question, Doc. You can't be nice to them. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or the Wheel of Time? You want to go first, Jenny? That's a new one. I don't remember this question. I know. I join the party. (sighs) Okay. This one is harder for me. So first of all, I've never actually read Wheel of Time. I know. I think I'm like one of the only people on the planet. Everyone. Yeah, I have it. I have it. You have it? Okay. Thank I goodness. I'm not the only one. Okay. Good, yeah. good. Good. Yeah. I even live I'm not where Jordan Con is held and I still haven't read it. Nice. Okay. Good. I don't feel so bad then. Um, yeah. So I haven't. So I can't count that one. Oh, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. That one's so hard. I don't know, man. I probably Lord of the Rings takes first because again, that one, you know, I've been a fan of for a lot longer than Game of Thrones. And I haven't read all the Game of Thrones books either. I'm thinking I'm just not going to finish the series done. until, <laughs> yeah, until I know that there's an ending. So, <laughs> you know, you know, what, though, well, normally I would argue with fans that you kind of just got to read it and embrace it. That right. series is so, so thick and so heavy. I don't blame anybody. Right. Yeah, it is definitely. It's yeah. It's one that takes commitment. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just like holding off on that. So I think I'm on that one. I think I'm going to have to answer Lord of the Rings on that one. Although I do also very much enjoy Game of Thrones, but. How about you, Audrey? Uh, I love Game of Thrones, but uh, Lord of the Rings sooner. And I just, I, I just love everything about Lord of the Rings. And I, you know, love Tolkien. And the movies, I think they did a great job. It's such an adventure. And, and it has this, you know, the plot, the moral themes behind it. You can see the reflection of... Tolkien's views on war and coming together to um, fight evil and, and overcome darkness. And that is definitely my shtick. So absolutely love Lord of the Rings top of all. Good answer. So we here at the Blasters of Blades podcast like the fantastical and scientific. So which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy, Audrey? Fantasy for sure. I, uh, my, my parents had a great little library with sci-fi and fantasy, and I was just drawn to dragons and all the crazy Piers Anthony covers. And uh, my mom was absolutely obsessed with Anne McCaffrey so, and Dragonlance. So I grew up with that stuff. And of course, with those kinds of covers, you couldn't resist. You just had to crack that open. And I grew up in a very rural area where we did not, if we were lucky, we had three channels on TV. So there wasn't really much of that. There was, you know, if the bunny ears were positioned just right and the stars aligned, we could have three whole channels. And although we had a farm, um, you know, it didn't always work out that I was allowed to go ride horses, you know, especially with as much as I would bail. <laughs> so if a horse started going and I was like, this is too fast, I would just jump off uh, until I learned to hang on. I actually turned out to be a pretty good rider. But um, so I spent a lot of time just in books and, and really immersing myself and in, in feeling like part, you know, part of that world and right there with those characters. So fantasy is my first love, but I definitely grew to love sci-fi as well. Good answer. Can you top that, Jenny? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could top it, but uh, um, it was actually sci-fi for me. Um, so when I was younger, uh, my grandpa was a huge fan of science fiction. So he had just boxes and boxes of the old sci-fi books. Okay. Um, Your grandfather is definitely cooler than mine. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, this is like, yeah, I mean, I was pretty small at the time too. And I mean, they, you know, the old sci-fi covers, they're not as pretty, I would say, as the old fantasy covers, but they're kind of weird, you know, like they're still like, what the heck? Like they make you really wonder like, what is this book about? Again? Um, so I ended up sort of like getting into those pretty young and I was reading like these crazy old like 50s, 60s science fiction novels when I was like 10 um, and they were bizarre. I just remember them being so bizarre, but so intriguing and I was just absolutely fascinated by them. Um, and then I ended up reading the first three Dune books, which I absolutely loved. Uh, and then, of course, kind of got into Star Wars and that kind of thing. And I mean, Star Wars is more of like a sci-fi fantasy type of a thing. But, you know, it was definitely more lean towards the sci-fi end there. I did have some fantasy books now and then sprinkled in between those sci-fi. But it was definitely more a sci-fi leaning upbringing 
versus the fantasy, um, which is interesting. I think that's why when I first started writing, like it was always sci-fi. So I'm quite sure that's why, because <laughs> I was just- I love those it. old books though that you mentioned. My parents did have one um, and it was a really small paperback, but it was from the forties. And it was um, basically a sci-fi about finally getting to the moon, but finding a, a civilization full of centaurs. <laughs> so, wow. Bizarre. I love those old, you know. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That sounds a lot like the uh, Princess of Mars series uh, where, you know, you start looking at the other planets and assuming stuff might be there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre uh, Jenny, transition into you writing words in this space? Um, man, I have been writing stories since like before I could actually write words. Um, I would draw like picture stories. Um, back when I was that young, the stories were always about horses. <laughs> so, um, I also am a big horse lover. So when I was very young, it was always horse stories. But then once I got more into the science fiction world, it was more like I wanted to create something that cool, I guess, sort of was my my thought. Um, and I started writing my first novel when I was 14. And it was essentially Star Wars. <laughs> like, I didn't know it at the time. But when I go, went back and thought about it later, I'm like, I was pretty much just copying Star Wars. Like, you know, there's a big space station that was going to blow up a planet. And like, coincidentally, the good guy ships kind of looked like X-Wings and the bad guy ships kind of looked like TIE Fighters. And I was like, hmm. But, um, but I had so much fun writing it because I could sort of, you know, play in that kind of world, but then make whatever I want to happen, happen. So, you know, if I wanted to introduce, I did introduce like these dragon type creatures um, in that book. So I'm like, oh, I can do that, you know. And so, of course, I had no control over the plot at all. So, I mean, it was a complete mess, disaster of a book. Um, but, you know, what would you expect <laughs> otherwise from a 14 year old? But um, but I just had so much fun with it. And I ended up just I just kept writing. Um and writing. I wrote a few original novels and then I found out that fan fiction was a thing and just went crazy. I thought that was the best thing ever. So I did that for like 10 years um, and just had so much fun with the other people in my fandoms and we would, you know, give each other constructive criticism. And I really think that that is actually where I learned to write well because <laughs> I had that good feed, uh, and, you know, I had a community of people that I trusted. Uh, and then I kind of was like, you know, maybe I should go back to writing my own stories again. Um, and so that was a little bit of a struggle to go back to original stuff after playing in all these other worlds for a while. But eventually I managed. So kind of that's how it happened. What about you, Audrey? How did you transition from being just a word nerd to an actual author? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, uh, it's kind of the same thing, being a kid who loved stories and storytelling and uh, being really sometimes not in a really negative way. I don't want to get like dark or anything, but 
you know, a lot of times in this very rural community surrounded by potato and cornfields, I was very, well, kind of lonely, but I had my horses. So um, one of our pastures was more sandy than the other. And so that was essentially our very, very large arena. And I could just go around that thing. We had yucca, even in Michigan, yucca can grow really well in sandy areas, which Michigan is very sandy. So we had yucca. And so I would imagine that I was out in the desert, riding out the desert and having a Western adventure. Or if it was winter, I would imagine I'm on horseback. Um, and I tell these stories about me exploring the Arctic on horseback, which you know, of course you wouldn't do, but <laughs> it was still fun as a kid, you know, to kind of take your environment and what's around you and your situations and and just imagine this whole other world from it and it could really sprout. So, um, and then in high school, I actually went to a technologies academy. So we did like wind and solar. And instead of doing Spanish, I did um, visual basic six as my language essentially. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but we, what we did, we had a whole group of us who loved writing and it, I mean, I had a small graduating class, so it was all, all four of our grades mingling and, and writing together. And we got on the servers because the servers weren't locked down. And we created our own writing folders and were co-writing all these bizarre stories. And, and um, of, of course, a bunch of us females were, uh, uh, at the time, it was the early 2000s, so we were, you know, crazy over Leonardo Di DiCaprio and Josh Hartnett was my favorite, you know. <laughs> so so we would incorporate these celebrities into our weird fan fiction. Um, I was in Yahoo groups that were fan fiction with uh, basically the Hellmouth and, uh, you know, Buffy universe plus Erie, Indiana, plus Xena, like literally all the fan fictions all in one Erie, Indiana, Erie, Indiana universe. So it was, it was wild, but it was so much fun. And, you know, I, I ended up getting into songwriting more after I wrote a lot of poetry in high school and then songwriting while I was in the army. And I wish I would have wrote more novels instead of drinking so much while I was in the army, but you don't know that until you know that. So, right. So, so one could argue that the drinking and the partying in the army gave you the experiences to write the books. Now, exactly. Okay, that see that helps. Okay. You are doing research. I feel like a lush when I say it like that, but it helps when someone. No, else no, no. You are doing research. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I was stationed in Europe, so I really got to explore a lot of very. Oh, there no Americans a lush compared to the people in Europe. So you're oh. good. <laughs> so like uh, I, I would like I really enjoyed going to Heidelberg and I would sit in the castle gardens and I would write and I didn't have a laptop back then they were way too expensive and um, I would go over across the river to the old Roman amphitheater and monastery and you could just walk around and be so inspired and it brought back my love of fantasy um, so I wrote here and there but I didn't really get to do that too much until um, I got out I tried to go to college I don't know how I got married somehow the first time and you know, I don't know how that happens. It's why? <laughs> so I got, I got married in the army. I get you. Oh yeah. Mine was from the army too. So uh, or I got divorced while he was still in the army too. So I get that too. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. We were still, hey, I knew Jamie said, I'd love you guys. Yeah. I was right. 
yeah, we got the same thing going on. Weird. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, I finally came back and I actually have um, a book that I really want to finish that I started in 2009. I was so angry with them and I was so angry with, I just come back from Iraq and I love being deployed. I deployed a year in from active duty with, um, I went to Afghanistan, which I couldn't wait to do because I studied Afghanistan because I'm a nerd. I studied it before um, 9-11 even happened. I was like, why isn't anyone doing anything? They're trying to warn us, right? So anyway, so I, I loved being deployed. I loved being part of the mission and the team and using my skills to, to advance the mission. And so uh, it's always really hard for me when I come back from deployments to be doing, feeling like you're not being part of something really active, uh, you know, that's actually making a difference in people's lives. So I was drinking and I was in a horrible mood and I didn't know why I was married <laughs> at the time. I was like, why? Please send me back to Iraq. I'd rather be in Iraq. There are some times when that is a very valid question. Right? Like if you're happier downrange than you are with your spouse, you might you might have a problem. <laughs> so being really open there. But um, so I sat in a room and I just, I pounded the keyboard of this crappy little Dell computer and I just wrote my heart out and people actually really loved what I had written. And I worked on it for a couple of years. I deployed a couple more times as a contractor because at the time they didn't have a volunteer system set up to where you could just go. And, um, so I, I went as a contractor because uh, I was a reservist by then. And uh, I started writing more and more and I can afford a computer because I was making good money, you know. And I just, I came back, I got, I got my new husband, former Navy. <laughs> right? Hey, everybody's got a semen in their life somehow. Right? <laughs> So, so yeah, he's a good one and he's a creative too. So he's always encouraged me to write and um, he helped make sure that I could really get into NaNoWriMo here with a group because I'd never done it with a group. And from NaNoWriMo, it really sparked this kickoff of taking writing seriously as a consistent part of my life and, and really embracing it as part of who I am uh, and, and that it can be more than just this thing I do occasionally. So that was a really long answer, but I hope it was no, entertaining. But I think it's great. So JR did skip a question, which I think is a good question. At, but which is, I feel like we're kind of backtracking because to fix JR and then we'll continue on. Uh, but what is it that you guys love about speculative fiction as a genre? Hmm. How about you, Jenny? Boy, that's, yeah, that's kind of a hard question. Um, <laughs> I think it's hard because there's a lot. Not, I mean, what is there not to love, right? Right, exactly. I think that's kind of it. Um, I think it's just the, the fact that, you know, anything is possible, essentially. Whether you have science fiction or fantasy, um, you, I mean, literally can do pretty much anything. So... I have never been a huge fan of contemporary books. I do love thrillers, though. Thrillers are pretty much the only contemporary genre that I actually love <laughs> to read. But um, but as far as writing, I am. It's really hard to, um, you know, it's hard to constrain myself, I guess, to like the real modern world, especially. 
Um, and even with like my weird Western series now, I originally had planned for it to be a historical Western. And then I was like, no, this is not going to work. So I just, I have to, I just want those like mysterious, unknown, unfamiliar elements to play with, I guess. And that's what I love about other speculative fiction you know, works is because it's always something new. It's something different. You're never sure exactly what's going to happen. Um, yeah, because anything is possible. So, um, and, oh, a quick note, I was going to say, Audrey, that is really cool about the nano thing because I did forget to mention as well. It was also nano for me. That's what got me started on like taking it seriously and actually getting going on it for real. So, yeah. And NaNoWriMo is starting up soon. Are you guys going to do NaNoWriMo again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going so I know to... some professional authors who they don't really. I think one friend said that she does NaNoWriMo and then edit December. Yes. Yes. She doesn't edit anything she writes at all in November. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I do kind of now, but but when I first started the first few years, I didn't at all. Yeah. Yeah, I do a little bit now, but it is, it does make it harder. If you take the time to actually edit anything, it does make it harder. Yeah. The 50 K words, at least for me, but. So we're going to bring Audrey back and we're going to ask her all those fun military questions that people <laughs> listen to us are used to hearing. Like how did the service influence you? Oh, kitty cat. Sorry. Kitty. Oh, the ADHD <laughs> spirit is one with me today. Uh, so, um, but we're going to get into some fan stuff. So I assume you guys have both had somebody ask for your autograph, right? Yeah. What was that like the first time for you? I was like, are you serious? Do you really know who I am? Do you think I'm somebody else? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, if, if it's your mom asking for an autograph, we'll still count it. <laughs> um, no, it was oh, actually JR. Like, that's just your mother that asked for your <laughs> I mean, we got to take what we can get. No. Hey, my mother doesn't even know that I do anything. <laughs> All right, we'll save that for the Seska therapy hour with Jennifer Blackstream. We, we promise that. <laughs> but in the meantime. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do a, we have a local convention here, which is really nice because it's only like 40 minutes from me. Um, and it's a big one. It's sort of like a central hub one. So we get like 30,000 people through there in a weekend. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Uh, we've been doing that the last couple years and keeps getting better and better for us. So we really like, <laughs> we really like that. It makes us feel like we're doing something Right. But it is weird, though. Like, um, yeah, the first, you know, first time people actually want you to sign something or like one year I had someone they bought uh, the first Starship Ass book on Saturday and he came back on Sunday and bought all the series. And he said he read the first book that previous night. and <laughs> He read the whole thing and he came back and bought the rest of them. So like just like stuff like that happens and you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, is this even real? It's so weird but awesome <laughs> that is wonderful i love it when uh that first time is so special for people um Crazy, had but we'll move on what uh what about you what about you audrey what was the first time someone asked for your autograph like i imagine it had to have happened 
Yeah. Well, the first time was not for my fiction. It was for one of my planners. And I was like, do you really want me to sign a plan? <laughs> but I'm like, that's like an honor because nobody thinks of signing planners, right? So, totally so counts, yeah. though. Awesome. That was really nice. That was awesome. And then uh, most recently, I went back to Michigan for a library event. I got um, invited to back home. And I live in West Virginia now. And um, one of, I don't know how to say this, like, right, but um, somebody I respect in the community and who is a leader in the community, her daughter came to me and I had brought her a copy because she said she absolutely loved my books. And she, um, so I, I brought her a fresh, brand new, crisp copy because hers, I, I don't know if the dog <coughs> Her daughter let me know. So I brought her a copy and she's like, make sure you sign it for her because that will just make her so happy. And I'm like, but she's like important. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just the biggest compliment to know somebody that I had respected so much. And, and again, as a, a leader and an entrepreneur in our community, you know, it enjoys my work and would like my you know, signature on it. That's so weird. <laughs> so what about we what about weird or funny interactions with fans since you started writing um Jennifer? Jenny, sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um well I think there are two two, I guess, fan interactions I think that are probably my favorites. I mean, I don't have a ton. I have a small readership, but they tend to be very um, enthusiastic and engaged, which is, I mean, I would prefer that anyway, <laughs> uh, over having a whole lot of readers who really, you know, don't remember me the next day after they finish my book. So, um, but one time it was at the local convention and it was, I was gearing up to, well, I was currently writing a fantasy at the time, which I ended up <clears throat> never publishing, uh, cause it needed a lot of work. So I kind of set it aside for later. Uh, which coincidentally I'm gearing up now. I think I finally figured out how to fix that book. But anyway, at the time I had been talking about this fantasy. Um, and so one of my readers who was also local came by the convention and he had bought me a book about like medieval, like knights and all kinds of things. And he had bought it for me to use as like research for my fantasy. And I was like, that is so sweet. <laughs> so I thought that was just, like that just blew me away to think that this you know reader was in a bookstore and then thought of me and then was like oh this would help her with her fantasy book and then you know buys it and then brings it to me at a convention that was awesome and yeah. then my other very favorite thing that ever happened with readers was um last year was the last year yes um man time is funky these days i tell you uh last year uh at the 20 books vegas conference they had an author signing on the last day and i went ahead and hang table even though i was like there's no way i don't know anyone in this area there's no way i'm gonna have anyone wanting me to sign my books or buy my books or whatever um i did do a lot of author trading books. Uh, but I ended up having three readers of the Lucky Logan series fly out to hang out in Vegas with me. And they did get their books signed. I was like, wow, that's insane. Um, 
So that was crazy. And then we all went on a trail ride together through the uh, Nevada. Lots of time. I was and, there. <laughs> yeah, Audrey came as well. So it was a good time. We had, it was so fun. We I have the picture on my wall, actually, of us. We Aww. all were conscious, so, took a picture. So that is cool. So Audrey, is that your weirdest or funniest interaction with a fan too? Um, no, because that was definitely, well, her fans and our Red Dead Posse, which is so much fun. But I think my, I've, I've had a couple of weird ones, but the most interesting or fun one, I think locally, I, I, my husband is a musician. And so sometimes when he goes out to play and I need to get out of the house and I go watch him, sometimes I'll bring my laptop and I write while he plays. Well, one time we were at this brewery and he was playing and a mimosa got spilled on my, my MacBook Pro. Oh no. Which is, you know, heart attack time. So I took it you know, Apple wanted basically to replace the entire computer for $1,800. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of money to come up with all at once. So I, I said, okay, well, let me go to you break, I fix. Right. And so I went locally. I went, I said, is there any chance? And I set up my appointment. They're like, oh, we couldn't wait for this to come in. And, and, you know, we've been waiting for one of these newer models. Like, okay, that's nice. They're excited. And then as they're like, okay, just leave it here. We'll get it all cleaned up and let you know what it's done. And two hours later, they were done. Like, yep, all we need to do is clean it, dry it off. We put it on the submachine that dries it off. And they're like, is that book, because your name's Huey, is that book on your screensaver, your desktop? Is that your book? I was like, yeah. They're like, what do you write? I was like, thrillers, you know, vigilante thrillers, like kill the mad guys thrillers. And they, so the guy actually went out and bought all of my books <laughs> and subscribed to my newsletter. So I was like, that's awesome. That's cool, right? That's awesome. That is, that is, um, wow. That's, that's a one's going to be hard for people to top, but all right. So this is the part of the interview, that's dear great. listener where we ask the authors in question to give us the Reader's Digest body of the um, Reader's Digest list of their body of work. So, so Jenny, what uh, what have you written? Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> well. No pressure. Uh, uh, yeah, right? I'm like, ah. Uh, it's actually not. It's not horrible, you know. Like, I feel sorry for the people that have, like, 30 or 50 books out. But um, so I have a few short stories. On Amazon, a short story collection on Amazon. I have a few short stories in anthologies. Um, it, <laughs> I have the Starship Astrology. And then I have the Legacy of Lucky Logan series, which will be six books total. And three are currently published. And I'm working on book four right now. Outstanding. And what about uh, what about you, Audrey? What is the Reader's Digest version of your uh, your catalog? I have six years of dated planners. I have, and they're ginormous, comprehensive, guided, you know, juggle writing and marketing and admin and build systems planners. And I have submitted to a bunch of, well, that's just submitted. I've been published in fantasy anthologies and I had my MA thesis on Trajan published because I'm a history major. So, Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, there's going to be some uh, historical fiction in my future. I really want to write something on Tiberius. But anyway, so and then I, of course, I have my 
Um, we get to keep her, Doc. <laughs> I already made that call a while ago. Um, you know, welcome to the party. You're late. <laughs> Better late than that, right? So, I'll take fair, enough. fair enough. Yeah. So, so, and then of course I have my vigilante thrillers, and um, that's I'm also planning. I've got my outlines ready and pending. No more medical stuff. I'm no more babies. Done with babies. Um, I want yeah. to publish my first sci-fi trilogy, military sci-fi trilogy, next year. So awesome. Yeah. So you'll appreciate this. I tried to convince my wife that when our kids were born, I tried it two times with both of my sons that we should name him Publio Cornelius Scipio Africanus the Elder because I mean he beat he beat Hannibal at Carthage, right? That's a, that's a solid name. She, yeah. she didn't go for it. The kids yeah. thank her, by the way, for that one. But my husband, yeah. he's, he's a history major too. We have like the same degree in ancient and classical history, same masters. And so I was like, honey, come on, Scipio, or you know. <laughs> Come on, Tiberius. That's that's doable. My, right? Come on, Trajan. My first Trajan. <laughs> my first uh, first main character was uh, Lance Scipio because I like Roman yeah. history so much. Yes. So the yeah. um, the history you is fun. Bond with Mark Edelheid over that. <laughs> the, all the cool people like history. Doc, get with the program. I love history. Unlike you, I did history recreation. Actual history recreation. I, I did I Civil War reenacting. That's I did Civil War reenacting. That counts. I mean, I got to play with black powder rifles. Yeah. So, all right. But uh, we didn't bring them here to nerd out on history. I get letters when I go too far. Audrey, uh, Declan Finn, another friend of the show, is a history nerd. And whenever they put us, they're like, no, you need chaperones? We don't care. These people are just literally they need help, right? But obviously, you know, we brought you here together because you worked on a project together, and that happens to be darkest of dreams uh while we talk about that i'm gonna you know sometimes accidents happen ha no wait happy little accidents isn't that what bob ross called them yeah happy. Um, that's right happy little accidents whenever you have to tell but, yourself right. no such so thing how did accident. you that's right how did you come up with the premise for this collection was it a ouija board psychedelics <laughs> overindulging in expired candy i mean it is the halloween season yeah well okay so I, I, you know, hopefully you don't judge me for this negatively, but my house is definitely haunted. So I live in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Okay. This area has seen so much civil war action and revolutionary action. And of course, pre-revolutionary action. Um, Berkeley Springs was basically George Washington's stomping grounds when he was oh, a kid, yeah. you know? So I, I live in Savannah, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So my house is definitely haunted so i mean and i i kind of love this stuff i if it gets if it starts acting up or when it starts acting up i should say because it's been a little more active recently i was hoping it would do dishes but it hasn't yet but i just i threatened you know <laughs> i got 50 dollars and a bottle of wine i will call a priest okay <laughs> so and that seems to work okay but um i really love cryptids i i love um the lore i love you know all the things that bump, go bump in the night i'm a huge massive fan of noobs top five i've probably watched all of the videos at least four times each and i just can't get enough of it and of course being that research nerd that history nerd i like to dig into mythology and lore and so when i i was just browsing everybody knows i my dragon hoarding thing is covers okay 
I hoard covers and pre-made covers. And I was going through um, a website that had some pre-mades and I came across this and I just immediately fell in love with this. And I said, this is the most perfect, creepiest thing. If nobody else wants to do a horror anthology with me, then we, you know, I'll, I'll write my own full length horror novel for this. But I really love horror short stories because I think you can get a good, really good fun jolt in um, really quick, fast, and then get on to the next thing. So I saw this, I just fell in love with it. Um, it was originally called The Stealer of Dreams, and I, I thought Darkest of Dreams sounds like just the perfect fit for cryptids. And I thought, how many cryptid anthologies are out there? And there's really not a lot. So um, I, I just really wanted to focus on that niche of for, for readers and people like me and like so many of us who love cryptids and want to see more of this fiction. You like it's like there's a thirst for it. We just can't get enough, you know? So I, I went ahead and I put out my call for submissions first in my private group, um, the ATA, the Author Transformation Alliance. It's my private little author group. And then we expanded it to the public to make sure that we had enough stories because I like my books thick. So I want it to be as big, if not bigger than Night Shift. So... <laughs> So, yeah, it just really grew, uh, took on a life of its own, you could almost say, and it has been a monster of an amazing, terrifying, fun project. I hope I hope that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> it, it does. And fun fact, when you buy pre-made, some of the contracts mean you uh, actually lose them if you don't use them within a certain period. Learn that um, one the hard way. I, I feel your pain. All right, yeah. Doc. <laughs> next question is you or we'll nerd out again and you're gonna like it oh can you explain for jr what a cryptid is because he's not a science person and that term sounds like biology to him oh and heavens it's not biology for sure so um it is basically a creature that may or may not exist uh cryptozo cryptozoology sounds really scientific but there's just really, there's no school for cryptozoology kind of thing. There's no um, science academy for it. It's definitely a loose conglomeration of people who explore and study and, and believe that there's so much more to the world that we don't know. And so a lot of these creatures and cryptids, um, which there's not really a solid definition for. So we have vampires, we have Baba Yaga, the, you know, the witch, but um, they still fit under the very, very, very general description of cryptids. So um, just a cryptid may, is a creature that may or may not exist. There's no definitive proof, but often they're based on lore and legends. Was that too long-winded? <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, does that sound does it, so like Nessie would count Loch Ness Monster would oh, count yeah. as cryptid? Absolutely. Yep, the, the monster okay. in Lake Champlain. We even have a lake monster in our anthology. Okay. All right, Doc. Keep going, keep going. You're on a roll. Oh <laughs> why thank you, kind sir. <laughs> so I thought this was where we're going. Oh, actually. Since this anthology is the sponsor for this episode, we're not even going to worry about a commercial today. And we're going to dive right into no, no. this. 
Jenny practice. She's she's gonna read the blurb. Oh, she's gonna read the blurb. We're counting that as a commercial. Wait, am I reading the blurb for the anthology? Yeah, I thought you said you had it prepped. That's why I was gonna have you do it. Um, I will have it in just a minute. I mean, it, it's <laughs> I, not I, really. Well, it's it's not much of a blurb because it's covering so many stories. But I'll read it anyway. Whenever you guys are ready. Okay. Go for it. Okay. The Darkest of Dreams Cryptid Horror Anthology is a new fiction anthology exploring the mysterious, disturbing, and terrifying world of cryptozoology with tales by 14 mesmerizing authors. I like it. Mesmerizing, even. That's a, that's a good use of your... Sin, sin, good word. Good word. See, I does the speaking. <laughs> All right. Before we start to wonder if you understand what that word means. All right, so... Speaking of the cover, that you told us how you got the art, but I have to say, like, I, I agree um, that that is amazing art. Did the people that were in the anthology, did they know that was going to be the cover before, or in, or did it just sort of happen, Sans? Nope. I uh, just, I find something, my fire is lit, and I say, okay, this is what's happening. This is, you know, the theme. This is the, these are the requirements, the, you know, minimum and maximum word count. Um, these are the rules submit or forever hold your peace. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, I go with it and, and yeah, I, I had the cover before I announced the anthology because it inspired me about what the theme would be. So I'll say two things. I like grayscale images because being colorblind, I see all the details on this one and that's a nice change for me. So I, I really dig the images. James. Yeah. I, I, I like what you did with it. Even the red as the writing on the bottom, that is uh, that is amazing. What does ATA stand for? Um, the Author Transformation Alliance. So this is our third anthology. We're doing about one a year. Next year is going to be two a year. So. Ooh, that's okay. Be a so am I the only one who's seeing some of those? Hmm? This this reminds me of some of the ghost story books we read as a kid with the black, uh, all black background with the, the black and white picture as this sort of scare you. Mm -hmm. that gives me those vibes so i think i think it's an amazing choice for what you're doing i really dig it thank you but uh, you. the let me pull that back up so what would the 30 second elevator pitch for this collection be suspense driven horror creature features does it have to be 30 seconds <laughs> no you're good you're good that's um so what subgenres or genres do you feel like this anthology fits best into Again, I, I feel like it's suspense-driven, paranormal horror. Um, it's very supernatural. Um, actually, I think Jenny's story and a couple others are more along the lines of the TV show Supernatural, but more their uh, scarier episodes, like from first and second season. So, um, yeah, a paranormal, supernatural. It's not gory horror, though we do have – it's not like we shy away from that necessarily. Right. There's um, some gore, but there, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's some gore. There has to be some gore. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, <laughs> they're not cuddly monsters, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so paranormal, supernatural, um, suspense driven. It's all about that fear and heightening that fear before the reveal and before the the climax of the story. 
So this isn't a Pixar collection. You're telling me it's gritty. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is gritty. This is um, some of these stories are so edge of your seat, especially the Lake Monster story. Just you get sucked in from the moment you start reading that story. And then you wake up, and you're like, what time is it? What day is it? You know, why is this ending already? This needs to be a movie now. So, um, but yeah, so, a lot of these stories really drag you in and it feels raw and it feels um, scary. We our, our Baba Yaga story. Definitely. It draws you in and it's, it's, it really sinks that fear in to be this palpable tangible thing as you're reading that story. Wow. Okay. So what would the age range then, since you mentioned some of this is gritty and it's sort of uh, an attempt to intentionally scare and, and fright and delight, what would you say the age range for this collection is? Um, well, I don't know. Do you legally have to say 18 and up? Because I was watching and reading real, you know, pretty intense horror No, movies. no, no. I don't think you have to, but I think it's, yeah. we do have some people who listen to this with their younger ones. Yeah. This definitely yeah. is, if not age range, because I, I have one and I don't really judge by age. I judge yeah. by maturity factor. Yeah. So yeah. it definitely sounds like this is on a, like a, say a movie scale that this is definitely in your R rated. Absolutely. Like, okay. Scary, the thing gross. predator, um, like my favorites, Terminator. Uh, I, you can see a theme here. Sci-fi horror is like one of my favorite <laughs> in the world, but I think it's more along the lines of those types and um, maybe pet cemetery that kind of genre. It's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And right. it's not the Hills Have Eyes, you know. So <laughs> we don't can be just as scary without all the exactly. like that right. and, and I think that's what John has got me hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like John Carpenter hiding under the bed for a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Poltergeist. I mean, that was fantastic. And you don't have a ton of gore in that. So don't yeah. ever watch Area 51 if you're if you have a kid. Not Area 51, sorry. Um what was that one with the kid at home? Um Oh my gosh. It was the one that was done all like the nanny and stuff and the kid paranormal activity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't have that and have a toddler. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched those. I'm too scared. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good. So, so yeah, I would say depending on the maturity level, there. I mean, I guess trigger warnings. You know, not everybody lives. Okay. <laughs> not <laughs> yes. everybody lives. Um, uh, let's see. There is one um, story that has a, a situation where there is the threat of. Um, essay or sexual assault against a character that's not carried out. There's no rape or anything like that in this uh, story. Um, but, you know, there's human nature and, you know, not all humans are good. So, so, so you go, uh, go ahead, doc. I was going to start asking them about their specific stories in this anthology. Go for it. So Jenny, we've heard a lot from Audrey. So let's hear from you about your story. <laughs> well, um, I wrote a story about a banshee, or they think she's a banshee. She's similar to a banshee. Um, 
I won't give any spoilers, but um, yeah, we'll call her a banshee. So uh, my story is called Paid in Full. Um, and yeah, I was very excited when I saw Audrey's call for submissions because I'm actually not a huge horror fan. I'm usually too much of a wimp. It just freaks me out and I can't, I don't like being that stressed. <laughs> so, um, but because of that, I sort of saw it as like a challenge of like, okay, let's see if I can do this, you know, um, because there are definitely some horror movies that I do really like, I think are very well done. So I sort of tried to go more down that avenue with my own story. Um, and yeah, and it, it was perfect timing too, because I actually had just like fleshed out an idea for a series that I want to write down the road a little bit. And, um, and so this, my idea for the short story for this anthology fit perfectly in the backstory to that series. So I actually get to introduce um, one of the main characters from that series and my short story for this anthology. So that was really fun. Nice. So kind of like scratch that itch and then let me forget about it till later. So yeah, I approve. That is, that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, what about you, Audrey? What was your story called? And can you, can you tell us about it? Well, I actually have two stories. So I allowed submissions of up to two stories, um, two accepted stories. And I, I have a hard time just writing one. So, and like I said, I wanted it to be thick. We're about, we're almost at 140,000 words on this anthology. So it's definitely going to be a, a thick book. So I have my first story is called Disappearance at Sleepy Creek. And if anyone gets that reference, Please, please comment. Please say hooray. Please drop that author's name. Um, I mean, if you want to know, you can ask me. But um, Sleepy Creek Mountain is a place that my husband and I love to go to fish. We love fishing together. That is our date day. Um, my husband takes Mondays off and we could go have adventures once both the kids were in school. And we would just go up to the mountain and go fishing. Or we would run around West Virginia and try to find find places to go fishing kind of a way of exploring but it's a really eerie place it's a convergence of two mountains sleepy creek mountain and third mountain and there's a man-made lake on top where they dammed up a stream and it's so weird up there it's so creepy it there's not a lot of the wildlife sounds that you should hear so this place is just eerie by nature and yet it's so beautiful. You get the most amazing views. There's these huge rock formations that just seem to jut up out of nowhere all over the mountain. And a lot of times when I would be walking the banks of the lake, we would find very large cat prints in the mud. We would find bear prints in the mud, bear tracks. And um, I actually have a book and it's something my mom got me into, but um, you know, tracks and scat of North American wildlife so that you can, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm a nerd. So, so I started thinking about when me and my husband would bring the kids up there and try to get them out in nature. And it was always scary when my children were toddlers. And so of course I get the seed in my head, kind of very Stephen Kingish, like what's a horrible thing that could happen to you as a parent. And it's what if one of the toddlers wanders off while you're not looking so that is the premise for disappearance at sleepy creek and i i, so I cannot read that story if yeah. i'm not here so <laughs> yeah. when i read things that happen to kids i have to go in and hug him and i do not care how sound i know well 
thankfully i will i don't want to spoil it i'm not going to spoil it but it's not it doesn't play out like a stephen king story okay where he just murders children wantonly okay so that's good because <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not going to do the horrible things to little kids it's a line for me so um and then my second story copper country i think one of the most intriguing cryptids for me is the rake, which is this weird hairless creature that's sort of a humanoid. It actually kind of um, resembles, you know, old descriptions, not the contemporary form of the Wendigo like we see on the cover, but the older descriptions of the Wendigo where it's kind of this, you know, very, very skinny, starved humanoid creature. So the rake, you know, maybe a byproduct of a 4chan thread about creating a cryptid but it may not who knows and i just think it's so creepy and and the little pieces of quote-unquote video evidence are just they, they're enough to make your skin crawl so i wanted to write about three boys who um grow up in rural michigan because that's where i'm from so i can write it really well and i think I, i've been told i do really well at at getting the feel and the character of rural Michigan. So I have them going around and this is something that people do, not that I'm condoning illegal activity, but people will go to abandoned houses and strip them for copper. So, so it's called copper country, which is funny because up in Northern Michigan, we got the UP, which is known as copper country. So copper country is just kind of a play on that. But when they go into one of these abandoned houses, there's a very, very terrifying surprise waiting for them. And uh, yeah, so so that's a little bit about that story. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's terrifying. My vibe for the pace of that story um, is, is not just creepy, but the pace of The Collector, which is one of my favorite horror movies, Edge of Your Seat. Once that action starts, you're stomach isn't a ball the entire time that's the pace i go for that's uh some deep stuff but i'm i'm digging it it sounds interesting i hopefully uh everyone else will find it interesting i know uh i found it because it was recently on kickstarter but that is succeeded and completed so we will link to where they can buy it um on the show notes uh just in time for your halloween goodness so you can scare yourself silly but uh, you mentioned that this collection was part of a collection that will be ongoing, the ATA anthology series. Will they be all themed cryptid or will it just be, you know, miscellaneous themes? I'm still deciding on next year's theme. It could be um, another cryptid anthology because there are so many that we didn't get to explore in this collection. Um, like we don't have a chupacabra, for example. Um, there are, we don't have a Michigan dog man, which why did the, chick from Michigan, not write the Michigan dog. Man. <laughs> so, so, you know, there, there's a lot of other cryptids and creatures that people are excited to hear about and that we actually got messages about that I think would be wonderful to incorporate. And so I'm going to have submissions open from January 1st to May 31st for crypt, for these cryptid stories for the second volume of darkest of dreams well and when those submissions come up we can put an open call yeah the listeners of the blasters and blades group on our group on facebook because we got authors in there and we have some people who want to be 
the next new author. Yeah. And we would love to help them by helping them find a new submission to go. That would be wonderful. We actually have two debut authors in this anthology, Stephen Wurzbauer and Don Gregory, Don C. Gregory. So, um, I mean, and they wrote fantastic stories. I am so honored that we get to be their debut publishing experience. That's awesome. So of all the cryptids that are out there, it doesn't have to be one because we don't want to wrap it up on a sort of a fun note. It doesn't have to be one that's in this anthology because there's more anthologies of your cryptids coming out. But what is the scariest cryptid you know that's out there? Like in your personal opinion, Audrey, and we'll get to you next, Jenny. Oh, that is tough. I, I do think it's the Wendigo because of the link to cannibalism and some lore having to do with, um, you know, the, the sin, not the sin in a religious, but, but the sin against humanity, I guess, of eating human flesh in that affecting the soul. So I think there's a lot of deep mythology there, but you know, the, that cannibalistic aspect and how it can transform you, that is absolutely terrifying because we know we have had cannibals and there's a famous one trending on Netflix right now. So, um, yeah. yeah, Wendigos, I think, are really terrifying. yeah, Wendigos are so, so I actually just got into, I just discovered the supernatural series. So I'm on season one. So I'm like, all right. these are going through my head. Um, yeah. so yeah, do you, do you have a grounds for a little living? What's that? Nothing. Okay. So do you have a favorite cryptid? And then we'll, we'll come to you for the, these two questions, Jenny, do you have a favorite? Audrey? Oh, um, well, like I said, I'm sort of a wimp when it comes to horror and creepiness. And honestly, like Audrey was like, here's a list of cryptids, you know, you know, you can choose from. And I was just like, what? Like, I didn't even know half of these existed. And like now, literally, like I had to go out to my barn the other night and I was terrified out of my wits because I had all these creatures in my head now. Um, so I'm not sure I would call it my favorite, but uh <laughs> But um, it's kind of why I ended up going with the with the with the banshee for my own story because it happened to be what I was most familiar with at the time. Um, and these other ones kind of overwhelmed me a little bit. But I think the scariest one I find I think is the uh, I'm not I'm gonna say say it wrong. It's a really fun name to say. It's like Mananagol. Mananagol. Mananangal, yeah. Mananangal, yeah. I can't even say her name. It's yeah, that like, one might actually take the cake from the Wendigo now that you mention it. Terrifying. It's like a lady with with like bat wings and like this thing, this like tongue with like claws in the end, and she eats like unborn children and and pregnant women, and uh, and she can just rip herself in half and then her top half like flies around i'm just like what <laughs> like, so, so um, yeah. i think i've seen something like that in an anime so dear listener if you have the scariest um cryptid that you have in your thoughts join the comment section when we share this on facebook and tell us what you think uh the next part the most exciting part for you jenny uh, so don't scare yourself too much but do you have a favorite cryptid a favorite one okay so not the scariest, but just the favorite. Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, um, well, actually, yes, I do. Actually, um, it's Baba Yaga. I, I like Baba Yaga. I think 
She's, I love her folklore. I think she has a bunch of interesting stories. And, you know, she's not always like a bad person, right? So, um, in fact, in one of my fantasy novels, I was actually going to make her a good guy. Um, she was one of the people that helped my protagonist. And she was just this fantastically quirky old lady, um, you know. And I had great fun writing her, even though that was also, <laughs> that novel was also never published. It's still on the back burner as well. Um, but yeah, I've always sort of had a soft spot for her. So I was happy to see her pop up in this anthology as well. <laughs> I would almost say Nessie, because that's as far as cryptid goes, that seems pretty wholesome. Yeah, true. That is true. Very true. That's so, uh, clearly this interview is winding down, but before we wrap this up, was there anything about Darkest of Dreams that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us? Hmm. It uh, will surprise you. I think hmm. our stories are not just the usual, the, the you know, they don't go by the usual playbook. You will not expect the endings in many of these stories, if any of them. Um, they they definitely play differently. And that is why every story that was included was, there were no, oh yeah, sure, honey, you can join our anthology. Every story was vetted for um, delighting me a horror fan. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, there were, there were no, here you go, you can join us. Every story was delightful and different. And we actually have, I know we haven't talked about him yet, but we do have Sasquatch. And we actually have three Sasquatch stories. And there's a really good reason for this because there are so many different aspects of lore about Sasquatch. And we have um, a Washington Sasquatch. We have a Georgia Sasquatch. And... Uh, wait, where's the third one from? <laughs> trying to remember. But, oh, um, yeah. So let me see here. Where is that third one from? I'm trying to remember because it's it's just so much fun. Um, anyway, the point being, there's, oh, Yosemite. There we go, Yosemite. Uh, so there are just so many different aspects of lore in each of these stories represents a different aspect of the lore and mythology surrounding Sasquatch. So that uh, we did not for forget our, our dear friend, Bigfoot. He is there <laughs> three different times in three very, very different ways that I think will surprise the reader and leave them guessing. So always, always a good thing. So this is the part of the introduction or the introduction, the, the outro, dear listener, where we remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. And uh, if you write a review for this collection, be sure to tell the, uh, when you leave the review, the ones that scared you the most, you know, that, that kind of thing. I imagine the horror readers would want to, uh, to know. Uh, obviously no spoilers in your reviews, people. Have some class. All right. We are dignified human beings. Um, but uh, Audrey, <laughs> I mean, I fake it though, you know, with you. Um, so Audrey, can you tell listeners how they can find you on the wild, wild interwebs? And as usual, links will be in the show notes. Yeah. So I am at akhuey.com. Audrey is writing on just about every social platform there is, um, well, at least the major ones. And of course, darkest of dreams. Um, if you find us on Kickstarter, we're going to have our pre-order link up and links to Amazon when it is available on Amazon at a later date. 
Outstanding. And Jenny, who publishes as J.R. Frontera, can you um, tell listeners how they can find you as well? Yeah. Um, my website, of course, will have all the things. It's jrfrontera.com. Uh, I am on Facebook as Jennifer R. Frontera, or my author page is J.R. Frontera. And Instagram is also J.R. Frontera. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I'm not there very often. Um, but it is the one odd man out it's at lightning underscore bug and i think another underscore i don't even remember that one very well because i hardly ever go there anymore um but i think that about covers it those are the main things so all right you can find us on twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook where all the shenanigans happen over on facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades you can support us there for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i promise i will keep doc seska and nick garber duly caffeinated they will drink until their liver explodes never all right bring us home doc <laughs> thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for the absentee nick garber the adult brain jr i am seska and this was the blasters and blaze podcast we'll be back next week same time same place indulging our love of nerd culture cheesy jokes torturing jr and of course making sure he understands what a cryptid is <laughs> all right before before you hit the end button we forgot to ask this is super important all right, Jennifer and Audrey, pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? I say it's a yay. crime against humanity. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I thought you were super cool. Oh. All right. JRs, yeah, the really JRs like know it. what's up. All right, all right. The JRs are just siblings, apparently. <laughs> I'll take it. My sister from another mister. And we're, uh, that's